<laughs> yeah, well, right out of the gate, one of the first uh, messages, once I got down to um, reading all the messages, one of the very first was from Tiger, and that was a very special one. You know, he was just explained to me that he was proud of proud of me and, and the fight and the fight and grit that I had. So that was obviously a very, very special one for me um, to see. And again, he was one of the first, which means um, he was watching, which for me is very, very cool. So I have to throw that out there as probably right at the top. I think when you have a tough loss, you don't really want to talk to anybody. Um, and then when you recognize that you don't want to talk to anybody, it's not necessarily the reporter. It's more the idea that it's however many people are then listening. It's not, it's not the 30 in the room. It's the thousands that are, gonna, that are potentially tuning in or see or read or whatever it may be. Um, and so I think sometimes it's tough to explain that, you know, in our game, it's you can do everything right and it doesn't go your way, and that you can go on streaks like that. And then you can do ones where you're like, man, I just really didn't think I was actually going to win that week, and then it turned out. And it's just a weird, and I don't mean that as luck. I mean, you put yourself in position enough, it works out. And as you can see with Tony, it did. Um, but there are probably plenty of events where he didn't do anything wrong, and then you sit in there and people say, what would you do wrong? And you have to try and come up with an answer. And I think that sometimes that gets tough when, um, and it can deplete your confidence because now you think maybe something went wrong and nothing did. Um, so I think holding confidence through that when the questions are asked from um, what they should be, which is, you know, why didn't you win, um, which is, I think, maybe sometimes not a totally fair question um, given the scenarios of our sport. Yeah, so I, I needed to try to get into a new three-wood and into a new driver. Um, I threw my three-wood onto the New Jersey Turnpike off the ninth hole yesterday, or on Monday. Um, so I was without a three-wood coming here, and uh, the driver I just felt was spinning a little too much last week, um, so I just needed to get into something that wasn't spinning as much, um, and that was really it. So going through a bunch of different heads and shafts and stuff, as you saw yesterday, and feel like I landed on a, on a good driver and, and got a pretty good three-wood too, so um, that, that was the... That was the purpose of yesterday's range session. Um, I might not have reached the road, but I, I threw it into the trees off the ninth tee at, uh, at Liberty National. So if someone wants to go get a, get a three-wood, there's one in there somewhere. All right, so Rory's three-wood is somewhere along a highway in New Jersey, he told the world. You're going to be hearing from Rory in uh, some length coming up on the Fairways of Life show this morning. So too with Jordan Spieth and Tony Finau, plus... We're going to have a multiple-time major champion joining us in just a couple of minutes, a three-time major champion at that. So we're super pumped about what lies in store. What lies in store at the BMW Championship at 9.40 a.m. Eastern Time, Charles Schwartzel, Keith Mitchell, and Kevin Streelman will get things started at 9.40 a.m. this morning. Harold Varner third, Robert Streb, and Aaron Wise will be next off at 9.52 a.m. this morning. Now, to featured groups, we have them for you in terms of who you can follow. The PGA Tour live coverage will be starting today at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And so, too, it will, will be getting ready for the live coverage that will be coming up therein. Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Bryson DeChambeau. If you're with us on the television side, you can see it. On the radio side, I'll continue to roll through it for you so you have it all. Uh, Xander Shoffley, uh, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka. 
uh, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, John Rahm, and Cameron uh, Smith are the feature groups that will be coming up today. The coverage will be coming up later on today on Golf Channel. I'll go through that with you before we break this morning. I want to remind everybody that PXG's new Gen 4 golf clubs are out there. They are the best that we've ever created, uh, including aluminum vapor technology, X-Core technology, and more. They are absolutely packed with that technology that will help you play your very, very best. You can go on to pxg.com to get started if you want to, or you can call 844-PLAY-PXG. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Okay, let's start with Jordan Spieth. The context of the comments that you heard him making at the start of the show was Jordan talking about the fact of Okay, so you're struggling, and Tony Finau has been knocking on the door a lot, but he wasn't able to get through the threshold, and people start to look at it and go, uh, what is missing in terms of busting through? Sometimes nothing is missing. Sometimes you just have to keep fighting through it, but Jordan was talking about how hard it is to talk to people, particularly the press, after you've gone through it and after you've gone through it for a long time, uh, it just maintaining that, I don't know, confidence at whatever way you want to define it that you can get it done when people are, are with pad and pen in front of you going how come you didn't get it done he was also asked about what it's like to be a part of the first event in the baltimore area on the pga tour in 60 years the challenge of of talking to the media after a tough call is where we've heard the, uh, from again but we're going to go deeper into it relative to tony finau and a few years in what he thinks about the staggered start at the tour championship you know, when, when you run the numbers and you see that uh, you can't give up on any round, I think that's great. Um, you really got to, if you're not playing well, you can't be like, oh, it's not really going to make a difference. I'll finish 25th and I'll only drop four spots in the FedEx Cup. Instead, you've got to, you know, you've got to buckle down and make sure every stroke counts. Um, so on that side, I like it. And I think the idea that it could, we haven't really had this scenario yet, but you could have four or five guys right up within a stroke of the lead with those last four holes to go or five holes to go um, when the nines change now, I think that it, it, could, it could make it more exciting than it's ever been. So I do like that idea from optically as a consumer. I think when you have a tough loss, you don't really want to talk to anybody. Um, and then when you recognize that you don't want to talk to anybody, it's not necessarily the reporter. It's more the idea that it's however many people are then listening. It's not, it's not the... 30 in the room it's the thousands that are gonna that are potentially tuning in or see or read or whatever it may be um and so i think sometimes it's tough to explain that you know in our game it's you can do everything right and it doesn't go your way and that you can go on streaks like that and then you can do ones where you're like man i just really didn't think i was actually gonna win that week and then it turned out and it's just a weird and I don't mean that as luck. I mean, you put yourself in position enough, it works out. And as you can see with Tony, it did. Um, but there are probably plenty of events where he didn't do anything wrong. And then you sit in there and people say, what would you do wrong? And you have to try and come up with an answer. And I think that sometimes that gets tough when, um, and it can deplete your confidence because now you think maybe something went wrong and nothing did. Um, so I think holding confidence through that when the questions are asked from um, what they should be, which is, you know, why didn't you win, um, which is, I think, maybe sometimes not a totally fair question um, given the scenarios of our sport. Yeah, well, for me personally, 
I have the Under Armour Connection brand that started, you know, out of Kevin's grandma's basement and has grown into, you know, a, a pretty special place for the city and done a lot for the city, growing a lot of the areas around um, the marina or the bay. I'm not exactly sure which. Um, but so I've come here, you know, dozens of times over the last eight years and been able to come out here, but also spend quite a bit of time around headquarters and in the city and. Um, so I've always, I think it's, it's a cool opportunity to come back to a place that I, one of the places I visited the most in the last 10 years and, and play a PGA Tour event. It's far from home, but kind of feels more like I got family around me in a way. Um, so for me personally, it's special. But going to new cities that are, that are good markets where you get good crowds and a lot of interest I think is very important and it's something the tour tries to to do I think the BMW championship itself does a great job of trying to find that and we've played a lot of different places all the way from Denver to here to Philly to the Chicago area so hopefully that continues so Jordan interesting comments there about the difficulty of and, and to his credit and it's the reason why I'm bringing it up again uh, the difficulty of talking about a round when you didn't get things done. And I think with Jordan, it has an even broader context because when we're talking about Jordan Spieth, he wasn't only asked to talk about rounds that were near glory. He was asked to talk about rounds that were very much the opposite from that and for a considerable amount of time. And he kept saying, well, I'm close, I'm close, I'm close. And I think it got to a point where collectively we went, well... That's a, a coping mechanism that, he, that he's telling himself because it didn't appear that he was close. And now we found out, well, maybe he was overall. There's a lot going on in the world of golf. And again, I'm going to go through some air times with you before we take a break uh, today. It includes the Curtis Cup. I'll have Dom give us a, an update on what's going on in the Curtis Cup in just a second. For first, I want to get to Tony Finau. Tony Finau is clearly a popular player. He's clearly a popular player amongst fellow players. So... With all that and his incredible story of how he is now one of the best players in the game of golf in the world, uh, he was an incredible athlete and always has been. Both he and his brother uh, could have made it in basketball too, according to multiple experts. So he was asked about why he thinks he is so popular. What is it about him that connects with people so well? Uh, Who he heard from in terms of messages after his victory, heard a little clip about him talking about his hero in Tiger Woods, but he goes deeper into that. Uh, An amazing story, which I think you guys are going to love to hear, about why he went to McDonald's at 3 a.m. and what he wolfed down at that time. Yeah, it is worth it. Uh, How he did celebrate the victory uh, on Monday night and what it's been like since he did seal that deal on Monday. Yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Thanks. Um, it's been a fun couple days, you know, since uh, since Monday, since the you know that last putt dropped. It's been really cool to uh, just be able to experience a win again, and to be able to experience with so many people that have reached out and have uh, kind of I've been able to share this win with so many that I knew about, didn't know about. So it's been really cool to see the amount of uh, joy a lot of people have for, uh, for my success. You know, selfishly, I, um, you know, I, I want to win. And, of course, you know, that's a really cool thing. Um, but to be able to see how many people have enjoyed this win for me, my family, my friends, this is, it's, really, it's been really, really cool for me. So um, I've been soaking it up and um, 
just finished the Pro-Am, so, you know, right back at it this week. But I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I think um, I'm in great position here in the FedEx Cup now to make a, a serious run at uh, winning the FedEx Cup. So my attention uh, needs to turn to that. And um, But I have enjoyed these last couple days soaking in another victory. It's It's been five years. You were at the last one, Doug. In Puerto, in Puerto Rico, seems like a really long time ago. So I, I'm a I'm a totally different player than I was then. And uh, but it's you know everything is earned out here. All the wins are earned, and I definitely uh, I definitely had to earn that second one. We went to Ruth's Chris after um, after I left the course with uh, my manager, my caddy, and, and my coach Boyd, and we had a meal. We finished leaving there about 11 o'clock. And and then I just I couldn't really I couldn't really sleep. I was still on quite a high, which was cool. And then about 3 a.m. came around after returning some, returning some messages, talking to some family. Um, and then uh, Boyd and I got hungry again, and so we went to McDonald's about 3 a.m. and got some uh, some fast food. Uh, you know I I'm not really I haven't been into fast food like I was when I was a kid, but that was I felt like uh, worth uh, the price of admission at the time. So. We, we hit up McDonald's at 3 a.m. I fell asleep about 5 a.m. I was back up at 8 a.m. and um, normal routine. I worked out in the morning and, and then I shot my way over here. So that's kind of that's kind of what I was up to. Oh, I mean, I had a lot. I had I ordered a Big Mac. Um, I had a double quarter pounder with cheese and then 10 chicken nuggets. Uh, it's, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I had large fry with uh, Oreo McFlurry and and a and a bottle of water. So I and I was I had no no problem cleaning all cleaning all of it up. <laughs> yeah, well, right out of the gate, one of the first uh, messages, once I got down to um, reading all the messages, one of the very first was from Tiger, and that was a very special one. You know, he was just explained to me that he was proud of proud of me and, and the fight and the fight and grit that I had. So that was obviously a very, very special one for me um, to see. And again, he was one of the first, which means um, he was watching, which for me is very, very cool. So I have to throw that out there as probably right at the top. Um, and then, you know, countless athletes. You know, Donovan Mitchell is an amazing basketball player for the Utah Jazz. You know, being a Jazz fan, that was a cool one for me. And, you know, my buddy Mike Conley, who's who's the point guard for the Jazz. But, I mean, those are just a few of, I feel like, so many people. It's been it's been really cool to see how many have are following my career and are, you know, genuinely happy for, for this, you know, this victory. So I've... Uh, you know, we've, I've, I've been, I've kind of starved. I think a lot of my uh, fans and supporters of a win for five years. So this one is special in that uh, you know I've gained, I think, a lot of fans in these five years, and and to be able to share this with so many people has, has been very, very special. I don't know how to answer that, Doug. I just, I just know that I try, I try my best to treat people the way that I would like to be treated. I've always tried to do that in a respectful way, no matter uh, how I feel about what's going on in my life. Um, I think I've been able to take the losses on the chin uh, with class, and that's something that I was taught since I was a kid. Um, no matter no matter what in, in your life, how things go, um, sportsmanship is very very important, you know. And, and uh, I want to be a light for those around me for exactly that, you know. Uh, you're gonna have if you're if you want to be good at anything, you're gonna go through some really really hard times. Uh, when you go through those, it's it's okay to be nice, it's okay to be kind still, you know. Uh, I, I never wanted to be one where golf was going to kill me. I've seen it happen to too many people where they let the game literally drive them crazy, you know, and I've, I've never wanted that to be the case. So no matter what, the game has given me so much already to this point in my career. Um, you know, there's, I have no animosity towards the game of golf and towards my life. I have an amazing life because of the game, and 
I try to treat, I try to portray that in, in who I am and how I, and how I am. So I'm a very uh, grateful person, and I try to portray that, and I think that has helped on my journey to just attract people that um, want to see me succeed. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it, his honesty about everything is all part of it. Uh, BenHoganGolf.com, log on today, and you can see all of the wonderful products that they have available to you at whatever level of the game that you want to play, from the very best in the world to those, I would say, somewhere around like a 12, 15 handicap. The whole philosophy with Ben Hogan Golf is that they are your tour truck. They're not going through anybody else. It's a direct relationship between you and them. Yes, that does mean you're going to save a tremendous amount of money. It could be 40, 50% by comparison for the technology that you're going to get. But you're also getting clubs that have the Ben Hogan name etched right into the metal, which just blows me away that that's also one of the attributes of the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. I keep their equipment right here in the set with me because I think it is so gorgeous. The Icon Blade to me, is the best-looking forged blade in the marketplace today with the way it was designed, especially with the finish that, that's displayed here on the set. It's incredible. And you can see everything that's incredible in their line, whatever it is that you're looking for, from wedges and putters to drivers and irons, uh, hybrids and more, at BenHoganGolf.com. All right, Dom. So when Tony Finau went through what he ordered, and as he said, he didn't have any problem cleaning it up, I counted Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, Chicken nuggets, Oreo McFlurry, and large fries. Did I miss anything? I'm not sure that's exactly what he said, but assuming that what? is what he said. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you question us journalistically? Be, um, no, I'm questioning your listening skills. <laughs> that's what I'm questioning. <laughs> how long is the cut? Do we have a cut of that, Andrew? How I didn't long hear is what that? You said. I don't know if I want to play it back. Let's see how long it is. A minute eight. Play it back. Uh, a minute eight. Wow, look at the producer. Uh, I'm like, right. we don't have time for that. I've got a question. My manager, my caddy, and, and my coach, Boyd. And we had a meal. We finished leaving there about 11 o'clock. And, and then I just, I couldn't, really, I couldn't really sleep. I was still on quite a high, which was cool. And then about 3 a.m. came around after returning some, returning some messages, talking to some family. Um, and then uh, Boyd and I got hungry again. And so we went to McDonald's about 3 a.m., and got some uh, some fast food, uh, you know. I I'm not really I haven't been into fast food like I was when I was a kid, but that was I felt like uh, worth uh, the price of admission at the time. So we, we hit up McDonald's at 3 a.m. I fell asleep about 5 a.m. I was back up at 8 a.m. and um, normal routine. I worked out in the morning and, and then I shot my way over here. So that's kind of that's kind of what I was up to. Oh, I mean I had a lot. I had I ordered a Big Mac. Um, I had a Double quarter pounder with cheese, and then ten chicken nuggets. Uh, it's, it reminds me of when I was a kid, and I had large fry with uh, Oreo McFlurry and and a and a bottle of water. So I ordered all of I was, that. I had no no problem cleaning no, all cleaning all of it. He up. just said it. It reminds he, me of when I was a kid. Yeah, it reminds me when I was a kid. He ordered all of that, dude. He ordered a Big Mac, a quarter pounder with cheese, ten no, believe, chicken no, nuggets. So. Then he said. It remind me of when I was a kid, and he went on to tell the rest of his order, an Oreo McFlurry and large fries. No, I think he was saying when I was a kid. No, no, it was no interpretation. Get... He said what he said. Well, whatever. If, if, if you want to include everything that he said. Yes, that's what he had. not accurate. Nobody's listening it is. to him, but that's fine. So I, the only, I will I send to a text to Tony to... right now. Yes, you do that. Uh, 
ten piece. Here we go. So I need to add. So it is over right. three thousand calories. <gasps> Are you kidding it's me? It's probably in the neighborhood of. Let's see if I add. You should skip the water. to that. It's about probably about three thousand one hundred and fifty calories, give or take. Three thousand one hundred and fifty calories. And at least to me, the crazy part about that. So he says at three o'clock in the morning. I eat all this stuff, so that's 3,000 whatever calories, if my calculator's correct, right? And then he said he went to bed at 5 o'clock. First and of got all, up at eight. I'm not sure that my body could eat all of that. Second of all, even if it could eat all of that food, to go to bed an hour later, <laughs> I don't think so. I know. <laughs> no chance. And then be up at 8, <laughs> go to the gym, and go to the golf course. He's just, he's just running on all of that uh, adrenaline and can understand why he is. PGATourSuperstore.com. Get started seeing all the cool stuff that they have available. Everything that you possibly could need for your golf game is in their big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast in the United States. But I believe it is the people that make the biggest difference. They are professionals. They want you to get what is best for you and for your game, and you can find it at the PGA Tour Superstore. Again, PGATourSuperstore.com is a great way to get started with that. Okay, Dom, uh, give me an update, if you would, on Curtis Cup. I also want to talk to you guys about Captain Steve Stricker saying the Brooks and Bryson thing is done, but I'll get to that in a second. Where, where do we stand right now with the event in Wales? Uh, the event in Wales, before I do that, we get some comments coming in on YouTube. Uh, Angel says, T- Dom is still asleep, which means he's taking your side. I don't like that. Of course he is. And Bob says, did Tony say a, a blueberry donut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Bob was, was watching so, yesterday. <laughs> so disappointing. By the way, before we went on the air today, because we tell everybody everything, you told your wife, Rebecca, about the incident with the blueberry cake, didn't you? I, I, I didn't tell her. I showed her. I said, because she doesn't care about golf or my job or this show. So she, That's good. That's good. Good relationship. She's very supportive. So she, <laughs> I, I, I pulled up the show from yesterday on like my laptop or whatever. And I said, I want you to see, I want you to watch something. I just want to see if you think it's funny. And she goes, is it more than a minute long? That was her, that was, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Do I have to watch more than a minute of it? And I said, it's about a minute which was a lie. And so I just, <laughs> very producer of me. It's yes. like 40 seconds. It's like 30, it's like 32 seconds. So I went to it and she watched it and she was laughing her head off. She thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever see. The whole, you and I discussing it and playing the clip back and forth with Brittany. Anyway, at the Curtis Cup, it's actually a huge surprise right now, Matt. GB and I is up two and a half oh. to a half after the Thursday foursomes morning chug. The, okay. In the afternoon here, in a little while, because it's afternoon over there in Wales, the four balls will be kicking off shortly. But Rachel Heck and Rose Zhang, power group, right? Yep. Basically the two best AMs in the world, have their match. And they were up against Hannah Darling and Louise Duncan, who just had an incredible showing in the Women's Open. Yep. So off of that confidence high, that, that must have been one heck of a match there uh, in, in the morning. Uh, so there you go. So two and a half to a half right now. Really interesting because coming in, kind of typical of Ryder Cup too, if you if you please, it was all about how stacked the USA team is in terms of world rankings, et cetera. And right now in Wales, it's going the other way. Remember this morning they had the alternate shot and they're going to do best ball this afternoon. As I mentioned to you, uh, Steve Stricker uh, spoke and said that he feels that the feud between, I, I don't know if he used that word or not, but the, the feud between Bryson and Brooks is done. It's over. 
it's tabled. Uh, he, he really doesn't want it to be a distraction with the USA team. And he came out publicly and said they've spoken to both players and both players have said, no, team, country, the performance is more important than, than anything else that we've got going on. And the, you, if you've noticed, and this is Steve Stricker that made the comment to make note of this, is that there really hasn't been any comments made in some time now. Uh, and he was saying that's because they've, they've spoken to both players and both players are like, we get it, we understand uh, let's let's put this thing uh, on ice for a while, and and if not permanently. So I just thought you guys would find that of interest as well. Now, as to the BMW Championship, it looks as though we have to keep an eye once again, right? We have to keep an eye on the weather. It's not as bad today. Overall, it's about a 25% chance of some rain coming through, but it peaks at different percentages during different parts of the day, and it looks as though that's kind of the unsettled nature of going forward over the next few days. So it's just another thing for us to keep an eye on. Now, Rory McIlroy had a number of of different comments to the press. He too was asked that same question about, you know, with Rory and uh, although Rory by his own doing is usually held to a higher standard. I mean, Rory can post a gazillion top tens and people are still going to go, Rory, what's missing? right? Uh, how come you're not getting it done? It, it, a lot of times they use the phrase backdoor top 10, which means he, he puts himself in a bit of a hole to start and then chips away at it and has a really good finish uh, and gets himself in a good position. So he was asked about how difficult it is to answer questions after a tough loss or after a, a difficult round. And obviously that question is in reference to uh, Tony Finau having had to do that for, what, five years before his breakthrough again. And how he's seen John Rahm evolve both as a player and as a person. Now, these questions are relative to not only world number one, but also Ryder Cup in terms of impact. Does he expect one day to be a Ryder Cup captain? And does he admire uh, different aspects from the Ryder Cup captains that he has played under as yet? Uh, he was asked whether he thinks that he'll have enough energy in the tank uh, when the Ryder Cup comes around. Remember, it's a long, long season for these players. Uh, why he spent ages on the range on Tuesday, and that led to the fact that, well, he said, well, he threw his three-wood into New Jersey Turnpike on Monday. Uh, how his life has changed in the last 12 months since he became a dad of a little girl and playing this new venue for the first time versus going back to the same places uh, year after year. What What's the difference and what's the impact? And then he was asked overall here, what are his first impressions of the golf course? Yeah, first look at Caves today. Um, it's a big ballpark. Can certainly let it rip out here, hit a lot of drivers. I um, think there's been a lot of rain in the Baltimore area, so it's pretty soft. Um, so the ball's not really going anywhere when it hits, which is good. It makes the course play play nice and long which which I like so yeah it's a it's a good track good test I have a few friends that are members here and uh, you know they've told me all about it and, and rave about the place and you know I can I can see what they're talking about it's a it's a it's a cool venue and uh, I think everyone's excited for it this week I think there's pros and cons to each dog I think sometimes when you get to a new course you you don't have the memories of hitting it in places that you shouldn't and um, you know, maybe having that in your mind somewhat, but then, you know, you go to some courses that you've, that you like and you play well on, and you've got great memories, like Quill Hollow, for example, this year for me, um, and you can play well on them, but I've, I seem to, for the most part, seem to do well on, on golf courses that I haven't seen before, 
um, and especially a golf course like this. It's it's big. It's right in front of you. There's tons of definition. There's not many blind shots. So yeah, I, I don't you know. I, I certainly don't think guys are going to struggle this week because we haven't seen this golf course. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I want to spend a lot more time at home. Um, like I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get home even in between these two events. So flew uh, flew down from New York um, Monday night so I could get a you know a night in my own bed Monday. You know, spend a few hours with her yesterday, um, a few hours with her and Erica, and then you know I flew up here yesterday afternoon. So um, yeah, any chance I get to get home, especially at this point in the season when we've been away so much. I'm I'm gonna take it, but um, yeah, it just it you you know you have to manage your time a little better and you have to be a little more efficient with with what you do and um, I think it's it's obviously it's a it's a big adjustment for for anyone but um, but it's been great I mean it's um, it's the most uh, fulfilling thing I think you'll ever do in your life and um, you know nothing can can replace that feeling. Yeah, so I, I needed to try to get into a new three-wood and into a new driver. Um, I threw my three-wood onto the New Jersey Turnpike off the ninth hole yesterday, or on Monday. Um, so I was without a three-wood coming here. And uh, the driver, I just felt, was spinning a little too much last week. Um, so I just needed to get into something that wasn't spinning as much. Um, and that was really it. So going through a bunch of different heads and shafts and stuff as you saw yesterday and feel like I landed on a on a good driver and, and got a pretty good three wood too. So um, that that was the that was the purpose of yesterday's range session. Um, I mightn't have reached the road, but I, I threw it into the trees off the ninth tee at uh, at Liberty National. So if someone wants to go get a get a three wood, there's one in there somewhere. No, I think having two weeks off after uh, after the tour championship's going to be nice. Um, like I sort of was planning to go over to Wentworth to play the BMW, but I mean it's just it's too much travel, and with what's what's coming, what's coming up with Ryder Cup, and um, yeah, that's a long week. No matter if you're in Europe or in the States, especially I've I haven't missed a session yet, so. Um, you know, say play five sessions again. It's it's just it's it's yeah, it's a really long week. So, um, so the two weeks off after the tour championship are going to be uh, are going to be well needed, and you know I'll go in there nice and refreshed and you know ready to to give it my all. Yeah, I think captaincy for me is still, you know, hopefully twenty years down the line. Um, but yeah, there's been I think every captain that I've played under has has brought their. Um, different qualities to the team um whether it be you know individual man management of some players uh to sort of like a group leadership type of role um yeah everyone's brought sort of, sort of some different stuff um I thought Thomas Bjorn last time was wonderful uh, I thought he did a really good job he was a very he sort of was quite an emotional leader um there's still he played us his video on the Thursday night, um, you know, before the, the first session on Friday morning, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. So just stuff like that, and sort of, it, he put a real, he sort of gave everyone meaning of why they were there, and the people that came before us, and it was a really, 
you know, to put it in that perspective, I thought was really cool. And, um, you know, it just gives you a real sense of, you know, you're part of this Ryder Cup team, but you're part of something that's obviously a lot bigger than that. And um, so that was really cool. I mean, that's just one thing that's, you know, sticks out of my recent memory. No, I think with John, what you see is what you get. <laughs> um, hell of a player, though. I mean, just doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to miss a shot. Um, is super aggressive all the time, no matter what shot or how he's played beforehand. Um, and yeah, he's he's fiery. It, it obviously it means a lot to him. You know, he takes it very seriously, uh, and you know, he's a very you know he's like he knows how good he is. And I think I think when when you're that good and you know you're that good, um, you know you can. Yeah, he's he's got a great mentality for the game. I mean, he's so consistent. He, you know, every time he he tees it up, he's he's up there. Um, yeah, he's look, he's a hell of a player. He's by far the best player in the world right now, and um, you know he shows that every week that he plays. And it's it's up to the rest of us to up our level a little bit to you know to to try to try to play alongside that. Yeah, I think if you've had a shit day, it's hard to, like, go and talk about it, right? Like, I mean, if you guys have a bad day and we come to your office and, and try to talk to you about it, it's, you know, you might want to confide in your family or your friends or, you know, you might want to... I think the tough thing is sometimes is, is doing it right there and then. Um, you know, sort of, I think sometimes letting, or letting us cool off for 30 minutes or 45 minutes and then try to let us gather our thoughts. I think sometimes that could be a little bit easier, but um, I don't think anyone enjoys sort of trying to explain a day where it hasn't went the right way for them or it's, but you know, I think it's accepted that when you're at a certain level, it's just part of the job. All right, Rory McIlroy addressing the media. Now, because the players were answering the same question, just so you get the context of what happens in these press conferences, where so many were asked about what it's like to talk to the media after you haven't had a great round or a great tournament or you gave away a tournament or a bad shot or what have you. Normally, the way what's happening when that takes place is a journalist is writing a story about players come to terms, say, with addressing media after, after not getting it done or not winning or whatever headline. And so it's, it's common in those settings that every player that comes through will be asked the same question. And if you're at big events like this one, obviously, or say the, the players is a good example where it happens commonly where they're doing a, 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 a series, whether it's a video series or written series on say, uh, will you take more club or less club on 17? You know, the, the, the island or whatever. And every press conference you're in, the exact same question will be asked every player. And that's why you get these, these cuts that you're getting, if you're wondering. So and the reason why I'm, I'm noting that is not to suggest that every player came in there with a burning desire to get it off their chest of what it's like to have to address the media after not playing well. It's because they're being asked about that question, and we thought it was interesting enough that John included it in the clip. So that, that's how that happened. Now, when we're talking about Rory McIlroy, he's still on a bubble. Remember, just like a Corn Ferry Tour, and I'll ask Tom about Corn Ferry Tour in a second, but... but uh, Every week is another bubble. 
So the FedEx Cup bubble, remember, you had to get in 125. This week, it's got to be 70. So uh, and then, or then, or this week was the 70, and then next week is top 30. So here's where we stand with the FedEx Cup bubble. Scotty Scheffler, you can see it on your on your TV screen. Scotty Scheffler is 24. Sunjay M is 25. Patrick Reed is 26, and we know that he's still recovering from the double pneumonia. He's he and his wife have both said separately that he's not going to be playing. This week, and the belief is that by not, it's going to drop him out of the top 30 if he was capable of playing next week. Uh, but we'll see how the how the math works out. Uh, Billy Horschel, again, a FedEx Cup champion in the past, is 27th. Roy McIlroy is 28th. Uh, Charlie Hoffman is 29th. Max Homa is 30th. Those just on the outside looking in. Remember, we had six make it into this week after uh, Monday's finish. Kevin Kister's 31. Keegan Bradley is 32. Siwoo Kim is 33. Cameron Tringali is 34. So there is definitely still something to watch there. Along those lines, uh, Dom, with the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, why don't you bring us up to speed on what is the razor's edge there as well? Yeah, it's the same thing. There's, there's some stuff on the screen. Again, if you're watching on TV, you can see it uh, where that bubble line is. Remember, there's only three events in the play in the finals and the Corn Ferry Tour finals. And basically right now, the guys who are like the top five or seven on that list have sort of locked up their card. You know, J.J. Spawn, Aaron, Aaron Rye, Lucas Herbert. Um, by the way, I don't know if you saw on social media, Matt, Lucas took a flight to the yeah. wrong state. Did you see that? Yeah, he went to the wrong Columbus. <laughs> he, went to, he went to the wrong Columbus. Uh, so, so anyway, so if he you went go to Georgia to instead of there, Ohio is what he did. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So. Uh, if you look outside the top 25, the guys who are battling, you can see on your screen some names there, uh, Kurt Kitayama and so on. We also have friends like Rob Oppenheim, uh, our good friend Justin Suge, right on that line right now. He's tied for 32nd. Aaron Badalay can be seen right there. Wes Roach is there. Our friend Chris Baker right now is tied for 38th. So all these guys need a big showing this week, a top 10 or better. We'll really jump them up this list quite a bit and hopefully get them inside that top 25 where they can lock up their card. Because remember, a total of 50 guys will get their PGA Tour card between the Corn Ferry Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour Finals when everything wraps up here in a few weeks. And then one more thing I just wanted to point out. We can see what you guys... I've got a lot of screens in front of me. As you can see, I'm looking down, I'm looking up. I've got like six screens all, all over the place. And on one of the screens here, we... Because remember, we're, we're broadcasting live right now on YouTube and on Facebook, and you can make comments, live comments on there, I know a lot of you consume this, whether you're in your car listening on the app right now or whatever, we'll listen to this on demand at your leisure. Uh, in fact, most of the audience, Matt, does that. But mm -hmm. you can uh, consume us live and, and be a part of, of the conversation, uh, which they're doing today. We've got some folks wrote in, well-deserved. Tony is a monster on the course. Uh, <laughs> and I, I mentioned this earlier. Someone wrote when we were talking about the food. Did Tony say a blueberry donut? Dom is asleep. I think that includes Tony's Caddy, too, someone writes in. They're obviously talking about that meal. They think it's all one big collective meal. I think maybe they're on my side. So I wrote no. in. I, no. I, I wrote in. I said, uh, this is dumb. Matt is wrong. I am right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't control me, Matt. I can say yeah. whatever I want to these people. Yeah. And then someone Never wrote, been LOL. able to control you. And then so I think that even the people commenting are done with me. They're like, this is one for Tony to settle. Let's just. Shut up, I told Tom. you, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to text him on this and say, Tony, I got it. And he's really good about answering texts, by the way. I'm going to have to answer, write to him and say, we Congratulations need on your win. I don't want you on the show. I don't care about anything. I just need to know. Yeah, not ask you anything other your than. List your McDonald's order. I'm trying to settle a bet. <laughs> yeah, 3,150 calories, Dominic told us. All right, so airtimes in terms of 
when and how and where you can get your golf coming up today. The BMW Championship today and tomorrow on Golf Channel will start at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Saturday at noon on golf and 3 on NBC. A Sunday noon on golf and 2 p.m. on NBC. PGA Tour Live and PGA Tour Radio. PGA Tour Live starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. This morning, you can get PGA Tour Live for the rest of 2021 through NBC Sports Gold. PGA Tour Radio start time will be at 1 p.m. And that 1 p.m. start for PGA Tour Radio can be heard on the PGA Tour app on PGATour.com, both free and available around the world. Or if you have the satellite service in North America, Sirius XM, you can hear it there as well. As to the Corn Ferry Tour that Dom was just talking about, they give, give you some air times of what is a very important event there as well. The Nationwide Children's Championship today at 12.30 p.m. Tomorrow at 11 a.m. on golf, a Saturday at 5, Sunday at 4.30 on Golf Channel. Okay, so we've got up the speed on what you can get and when you can get it from your golf coming up today. Coming up on the Fairways of Life show, we are going to be joined by a three-time major champion who has broken through, again, the last major championship of 2021. Uh, It was inspiring for a number of different reasons. Most major championships always are. But this one, when you know the full context of what this player had to deal with in order to get to the threshold again, and to think about what this player did when they were dealing with what their body was, was doing, it is incredible. And it's a story I'm very much looking forward to diving into with our guests coming up after these words. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgestone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior products. So I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgestone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. 
BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th to the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, and Gil Hansen's Black Course. Secluded by thousands of acres, the greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. It is a delight to have your company in any way that you are joining us, whether it is through the radio side around the world or on the television side around the world. Super pumped for our next guest. Anna Nordquist won the AIG Women's Open at Carnoustie. And with it, of course, she also secured a spot on the Solheim Cup team. That is the here and now, but we'll give you some more context because the day and age uh, in which phones and 10-second attention spans, it tends to get easy to forget what got us to the point that we're at right now. Anna's resume up to today is something truly special. Her major championship this past weekend was her third. She also won the Avion Championship. She also won the Women's uh, PGA Championship. And the victory was her ninth on the LPGA Tour. Oh, and the Solheim Cup, she'll be playing next week. This will be her seventh Solheim Cup. She had an incredible 75 top tens on the LPGA Tour so far, 11 of 13 years that she's been a professional. She's been inside of the top 30 in the world. Think about that for a second. And here's a stat that she might not even be familiar with. Do you know how many female golfers in the history of the game have won more than three majors? The answer is 22. Only 22. Imagine that for a second. That's how rare the company is. And she's still only 34 years old, clearly nowhere near finished. Absolute delight to welcome to and say congratulations to Anna Norquist. Anna, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. So that win, it came with it with so much emotion. I guess before we jump into the aftermath and the reaction and everything that went along with it, I wanted to ask you about the experience that you had playing Carnoustie last week in terms of it's such a legendary golf course it is so iconic in the game for so many reasons what was your early experience with a Car- Carnoustie like as you got going 
I love Carnoustie and I always keep telling people it's uh, one of my favorite golf courses in the world. Um, we played AIG Women's Open there in 2011 and it's just such an amazing golf course. Uh, I don't think there's a bad hole in the course and it just has so much character and obviously has a lot of history. So I couldn't be more grateful to be able to win on such an iconic venue. What I like about Carnoustie too, Anna, is the way that its personality changes as the course progresses. I, I think people probably mostly because of watching events at television and not having spent a lot of time there assume that every hole plays along the stretch of, say, 16, 17, 18, just as an example. But when you go down six and then seven and then eight, it has a sense to me of almost being a little bit parkland-like. And, and it's the, gr the grass is a little greener. It's a little lusher back there. It's just a different feel. It, it even has a little bit of serenity as you do that turn to the, to the backside. Uh, did, did you take in any nuance of, of Carnoustie in the time that you've spent there like that? Yeah, so um, it was really windy. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the tournament. And when I play my practice run on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, uh, I played in the afternoon and we had like really hurting wind, like going out to make the turn, like six, seven was like dead into the wind. Um, oh. In the tournament, the wind obviously changed, but uh, so on six, I had driver, three wood, and like half a seven iron to a back pin on the par oh five. Gosh. And in the tournament, I was able to hit driver, three wood or driver hybrid onto the green. But then what was funny is like, it was playing so much into the wind, right? So it, I, I think that's like a really tough course, like tough way of playing it, even though you get a little bit of break on 15, 16 and 18 being downwind. But when we're on 11, we're like, oh, finally, we're going to start getting like some downwind holes, the wind turn. And we had to play all those holes, like 12, 13, uh, 14, 15, and uh, 16 and 18, like dead back into the wind. So it's just oh. amazing how a golf course can play that different. Um, and when you try to explain that to someone who has never played Lynx golf before, it's uh, it's quite hard, you know, like, because it, it just changes so much. Um one day you can have a three wood in, and the next day uh, you can have a wedge in. Like 10, 10, for example, in the tournament was playing a little bit into the wind. So it was driver and basically a long iron uh, or a hybrid in. And in the practice round, uh, it was dead down winds. I had a great driver and had a 54 degree. And so wow. it's uh, that's why those golf courses never get old because it, it does challenge you. And what's good about Carnoustie is I think you have to challenge the bunkers. Um, off the tee or you're gonna have a really long shot in and with the way they were tucking pins behind the bunkers um it was almost seems like driver was your only option to even have a chance to get a get a decent birdie chance in a few holes when you look back on your career even if we focus say on on your majors there there's they're distinctively different majors on distinctively different golf courses and even when you look at your life where you're from, where you went to school, again, where these major championships has won, you have a game that clearly travels and you can adapt to whatever type of golf uh, is required for success. Could you talk to us about kind of that maturation process and, and how your game was able to develop that way? Yeah, I think growing up, 
Um, I was never, I've never been long off the tee, even though I think I'm just past average right now, but I was never long off the tee. And there was a lot of people telling me, oh, she'll never make it because she doesn't, she doesn't hit it far enough. I'm six two, but just never had any fast switch muscle in my body. And that's just the way it is, even though I, I try to work on it over the years. Um, but as an amateur, I was told like, no, she's never going to make it because she doesn't hit it far enough. And my rookie year, I won, um, well, I won the LPGA championship on, I think it was the, at that time it was the longer major, longest major course ever been played. And I shot like 14 or 15 under par. So I think I proved a lot of people or a lot of doubters wrong. And I guess that's been a motivation over the years. Um, but I think, um, I mean, my build, my game's always been built on Cincy hitting a lot of fairs, a lot of greens. And, um, you know, I think some, some people will be pretty annoyed at me hitting like a hybrid or a five iron closer than they'll hit their eight, eight or nine iron. Um, so hitting it straight has always been, been a great key for me. Um, and I think that really fits the major courses. I mean, Evian is on the side slope and um, I play well at the U.S. Open in, in Cordova, even though it, it might have not been the outcome that I was hoping for. Um, and also being able to succeed on a Lynx course. And I think just that, I think that says a lot about strategy and a lot about um, just just being able to hit the shots when it matters the most. So that's something I'm really proud of. So, Anna, as, as an Olympian, as a, as a multiple-time major champion what's it like back home and and the reason why i'm asking this question is because uh, i married a a person that's swedish and i've spoken many times uh to to uh, annika as well about the same thing and 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 sweden is is so much a country and i mean this respectfully where people don't try to stand out and you stand out in every way. You are a superstar in every way. So how do you find that kind of social balance with those kind of lines and connections? Oh, I, I struggle a lot with it. I mean, I came, basically came out on tour and I was shyer than shy could be. Uh, just not, I think just struggling with like self-image and um, not wanting to stand out. I'm 6'2", and I've always got comments how tall I am and people making almost making fun of me for being tall. And, and I've, I've always been kind of open about it and that I hate being tall because I don't like to stand out. Um, I would say I'm pretty down to earth. Um, but coming to the U.S., I remember my first agent back in 2009, he, he challenged me to buy a pair of heels, which I did after a couple of years. I finally felt comfortable. Uh, but it took a lot of convincing having... Michelle Wee, Jessica Corda, and Britton Linson come wearing heels at the same pro-am party. Um, but or just just being proud of who I am. And um, so I, I'd probably say if I were still in Sweden, I'd probably be pretty shy. Um, I think it's just been a maturing process of, of learning, you know, learning to be you and being proud of who you are. Um, and a lot of the, the mental coaching I've done over the years is being able to be myself. Um, I remember coming out on tour and and feeling like every interview I was nervous of either pronouncing it the wrong way, being made fun of for maybe saying the wrong words, because uh, English is not my first language after all. Um, but then also, um, you know, being able to say the things 
that you want to say and not what you're supposed to say um, when it comes to answers. Um, but I think I think over the years, it's just I just learned how to be myself. And if if people don't like me for who I am, like I'm not going to try to pretend I'm someone else just to get people to like me or to get likes on social media. Um, and uh, but I mean, it, it's been a process. But I think Swedish people in general, we're we don't like to be different and we don't like to be seen. Um, so I, I like the low key and I'm very low maintenance. And I, I think a lot of people appreciate me for, for being like that. So when you won your first major championship and it wasn't really that long after you turned professional, was what, with everything you just described, Anna, did, was that part of the process? Or I wonder, did you think they were going to come in bushels now? You were just going to get loads of majors, et cetera, or how how did that all go in terms of handling the, the clear massive talent that you possess to play this game and the need to believe that you have a place and time and place to, to be a champion? Well, I mean, I think the biggest battle I was I was battling when turning pro was I got so questioned about my coaching college and about everyone like why are you leaving school and why are you turning professional now? Um, and they basically thought I should stay in school and get myself ready. But I've always believed in following my heart. So that's ultimately what I decided to do. And then I ended up, I mean, what, five months after leaving school and turning professional, I ended up winning a major. Um, so I think quite down quite a few people by doing that. But it also showed me that following my heart is something that I need to keep doing and listening to my instinct, even though... I've gotten in a habit over the years to kind of listen a little bit too much to what other people think about me or what I should do and the way I should go about things. Um, but I think coming out on tour, like, yeah, I won twice my first rookie year and I got to play in the Solon Cup. Yeah. Um, I think it was important for me just to show my first major wasn't like a one-hit wonder um, by winning the tour championship, uh, which, which was really cool. Um, but then I, I wasn't prepared for tour life. Like I'd never done it before. And all of a sudden I'm, a, I'm expected to know it all, which I never did. And, um, it took me a lot of trial and errors and I didn't play good for a couple of years, but it was just because I was trying to build a game where I could contend, not just for one or two years, but ultimately for a long term. And I think that's, yeah, I've had my downs and I feel like everyone's going to go through times in their career when. Uh, it's going to be tough, you know, maybe it won't be as successful. You're going to question what you're doing, but I think just me sticking to it and never giving up and always keep working, um, I showed over the year, even though now I haven't won for four years and coming back and winning, <laughs> win the IG Women's Open, like I must have done something right over the years. Um, and that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah, it, and rightfully so. I my words, but I like that you have this chip on your shoulder that you're willing to go out and prove to people exactly who you are. Now, for a lot of us, we didn't realize the impact that having mono had on you, uh, just how severe it impacted you and the fact that that impact lasted not months, but literally years. Could you kind of talk to us about that whole process and, and when and how you found out that it was mononucleosis and and how that lingered and impacted you? 
Yeah, so I was at the US Open at the Ben Minister in um, in New Jersey in 2017, and I started feeling really sick. Um, it was kind of like a strep throat. Like, I'm not gonna go into too many details how my throat looked like, um, but I was literally coughing so bad I had to sit up sleeping for for the rest of that week because um, I just couldn't stop. Um, stop coughing. I wasn't feeling good. I didn't look good. I didn't have any energy, and I just didn't know what was going on. Um, but stubborn enough as I am, like unless there's a life-threatening emergency, I'm not going to quit a tournament. So I ended up making the cut, playing the weekend, and someone wanted to test me for strep throat on the on the Saturday before my round. So Sunday before my round, I found out that it was mono. Um, not knowing anything, um, what that meant. I knew it potentially could mean that I had to take a lengthy break from golf. So I went out to shoot one under 71 on the Sunday and, um, not sure where I finished, but I battled myself and, um, the way I felt that week. So after that, like, I just realized how, how bad it was. Like I couldn't get out of bed. Um, but part of me decided I had to take a few few weeks off because it was like obviously not feeling great um had to withdraw out of the scottish open which meant that i didn't like i didn't qualify as far as on the events to make the team um annika sorenstam was the the Solon cup captain mm-hmm. in 2017 it had obviously been a dream having a, one of my role models be my captain um so i felt decent enough um, to try to play in the British Open like two weeks before the Solon Cup because I felt like that was my chance to prove that I'd be had some kind of health to tee it up. So I did. I finished, I think I finished seventh at Kings Barnes, um, feeling pretty bad. And then I, qualif- I got picked for the team. I played Solon Cup. I had to tell them to sit me out on Saturday afternoon because there was just no way I could play 36 holes in a day and then still recover for the single matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I played great in Des Moines and uh, probably one of the best matches ever against Lexi Thompson there in the single matches. Um, was a absolute like exhausted a week from that. I was basically in bed for a week after that. And um, one or two weeks later, teed up in Evian and winning with the way I felt. And I don't think mo- many people actually know how mono affects you. And I, if I could go back, I wish I knew a little bit more uh, how it affects you and what you should do and what you're not. Because I, I kind of kept pushing myself a little bit. So ultimately, by April next year, um, I was probably as, as close to walking into the wall as you could. Because um, I was I was burned out. Um, I had nothing. I couldn't think clearly. My mind was just. I couldn't focus. I I saw blurry. Um, when I was trying to push, it was almost like I felt weaker. Um, had nothing as far as physical because I couldn't work out for months. So this kind of kept going because I didn't really give myself a break. Uh, which I probably should have taken after the win at Evian, but in the moment there, like, you don't really know what's going on. So basically until last year when I got um, the involuntarily break there for COVID is when it really started to change where I could kind of finally start recharging my battery. And I 
I felt like I started recognizing my body. Uh, I felt like I had a little bit of an extra gear again where I could push back. Because for the longest time, it just felt like I was like standing in sand trying to push, but I just kept slipping. Um, so until uh, like having a couple couple months of a little bit slower tempo, that's when I finally started to feel like my body was kind of responding to some of the some of the practice. Because um, in the middle of all the all the um, all the modern stuff, I was trying to change my swings. I probably hit more golf balls than I ever have, and it just wasn't, it was just a down, downward spiral. And I, uh, I look back and wondering how I got mono and why I did, but it obviously taught me a lot. And standing here on the 18 green, winning one of my like dream tournaments, especially being European. Uh, I mean, it's been, it's been a, a lot of struggles and I doubted if I ever come back to the level that I was or, but I feel like I'm almost even better now and I learned so much and it was definitely worth all the struggles to get there. When, when you broke through then uh, at this past week and won your third major at Carnoustie, as you noted, in the AIG Women's Open, clearly for all the reasons that you just laid out more, it was emotional for you. Could you describe for us the wave of emotions and how you kind of shared and also dealt with the same? Yeah, there's just been a lot of moments where you kind of question yourself, but then also you keep working so hard and you just don't see it paying off. Um, I've been fortunate to have a great supporting husband for the last um, like four years um, who I met just before I got mono. So he's been with me every single day or every single step of this process. So he's seen me struggle. Like my caddy, Paul Cormack, he's been with me for over two and a half years and it's been a rock out there for me to stay like keeping me, oh, there you go. It, keeping me very um, level-headed and very positive when I struggle to be positive and when I got frustrated because I, I didn't see my game or all the work that it did pay off. Um, so it's just, it's just been a long road and it's hard to put the emotions. <laughs> We've just been texting each other back and forth. It's like, is this real? Is this happening? And, <laughs> it's just kind of like I'm waking up out of a dream and it, it's just um, it's just nice to to see all those hard work and all those days pay off so I'm very grateful and couldn't have asked for anything more it's fantastic Anna Nordquist is our guest and I, and I am going to ask you in a minute or two not right now but I just to let you know it's coming up so you can put it in the back of your mind about your sponsors and uh, how important they have been in everything that you do to help you do your thing at this level. But I have to wonder when you said you met Kevin just before you got mono, now that you have your full energy back, he must think that you're moving around like crazy. You must It, it must seem like an almost different person. Well, this year has been hard because he went on to caddy on the PGA Tour uh, for Martin Laird for, for quite a few months. So I think we've seen each other maybe... 70 days out of 240 days this year so it's been really really tough and prior to the AIG women's open I didn't see him for six and a half weeks it's been the, the longest break we've had uh just because I've been in Europe I was at the Olympics um so it's just no I mean he's, he's so supportive and we just have so much fun together so it's been a it's been a challenging year but just to be able to share this experience with him and he's 
is born and raised in Dundee, which is 20 minutes from Pernusti. So I probably couldn't have picked any better venue. And to have him there, to have a lot of his friends there, and to have a lot of our our family there from Scotland. And um, yeah, it, it just means a lot. And I'm, I'm never going to be able to look at Carnoustie the same. It's always been one of my favorite courses, but um, I can't wait to go back. When, well, when you go back, are you guys still planning? I know I know this will be the formalized one now back in Scotland. Are you still planning on having the wedding at a castle? Yeah, so there's a castle about 20 minutes away from... Um, from Carnoustie, where um, we're supposed to get married next summer now. Uh, we we postponed it for, for two years because uh, we had no other option. A destination wedding in Scotland sounded really good at the time um, in 2018, in December, when we booked this. Uh, but yeah, there will be a big wedding, and hopefully I'm going to take a few of my wedding guests and play Carnoustie before the wedding. So. Hopefully they'll they'll let me back out there. Yo, I think they're going to let you back out there. I think that is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we also saw on your social media, it looks like you have a new little puppy dog. Is this Max? Yeah, this is little Max. I see he he's a little tired right now, but yeah, uh, my husband's been <laughs> here. We go. Hey, um, there he is. He uh, he just made his TV. Um, premiere on Golf Channel uh, just prior to your interview. But my husband been begging for four years, basically every day that he wanted a dog. So I finally gave in. So uh, this little guy, he was born mid June. Uh, we picked him up in the beginning of August, and now I finally met him yesterday, and it was it was love at first sight. Oh, he's so. beautiful! Absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, it looks perfect right there with the trophy as well. What was Max drinking out of out of the the fame trophy? Yeah, so no one has to worry. It was water, but the, the trophy <laughs> has anything from champagne to rosé one to beer since uh, since being in my possessing, possession the last couple of days. That's fantastic. All right, so last question I have for you today is about your sponsors, and we always like to ask touring professionals about who their sponsors are, just to spread some love back to the people that help you do your thing. Yeah, so. I mean, knowing I've had my struggles and I've really had great sponsors sticking by my side through all this. Uh, I've been proud Rolex ambassador since 2009 and uh, just couldn't ask for, for a better company. Uh, MGM Resorts, uh, Gulf Saudi, Aramco Team Series. They, they've really been there for me. Um, Silverleaf Golf Club, uh, where I'm lucky to call home here in Scottsdale. Um, it's been a couple of great weeks for Silver Leaf with Tony winning, with John winning, with Brian O'Toole winning. So I'm uh, I'm in a great environment. Um, and also I added swag to the team this year, uh, and they've been amazing. It's a it's a putter company out of Chicago, and I've been playing their putter for for over a year and a half now. And I used to change putter every three months before um, I got their putter. So um, don't know if you've seen my bag, but it's uh, it's bright yellow and <laughs> you can't miss it. Uh, and I get a lot of comments. So it, it's such a fun fun company to be a part of. Um, so I'm, I'm just very, very fortunate to have, um, have great support and um, be able to do what I do. Well, it, it is fantastic. And the last thing I want to ask you before we say goodbye is that there are people out there that have their own dream. Uh, the major in their own lives, uh, in their respective fields, if you will. I wonder, with everything that you have gone through and everything that you have accomplished, 
what words of inspiration do you have for those people that are harboring a dream? I would say, I mean, just never give up. Um, you know, if you have a dream, it doesn't matter in life or uh, if you find you want to start a family or you have a, you have a dream job you want to do, or there's something that you want to accomplish in life. Like just don't give up on it. Um, keep dreaming um, and keep working hard because it will pay off. Um, I see a lot of people um, maybe expecting to go to levels or accomplish things without really wanting to put in the work. But I think at the end of the day, it's always worth putting in that work because it will always pay off, but you just don't know when. Anna Nordquist, the 2021 AIG Women's Open Champion. Congratulations once again on your latest victory, this major championship. Good luck at the Solheim Cup next week. Thank you so much for the time that you have afforded us. Thank you. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to boyngolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear. And where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. 